Welcome to Market Mentors, a podcast for the marketing leaders of today and tomorrow. I'm Fiona Jensen, a director and co-owner of Market Recruitment. For over a decade, I've been helping B2B marketeers find the best jobs with great companies. Together, we'll discover how marketing experts reach the top and learn from their experience. Ask career-related questions you can't get answers to elsewhere. Be tough, be challenged, be mentored. What do you get if you cross a passion for sport, sports marketing experience and the best impact protection technology company globally? Well, you get this week's market mentor, Mostyn Thomas, currently General Manager of British-based D3O. Mostyn shares his passion and enthusiasm for marketing and gives us some insights into what it's really like to work in a fast-growing startup, the learnings he's had and what he believes it takes for startups to succeed and survive today. here with uh, Mostyn Thomas, the General Manager of D3O. Thanks ever so much for joining us today. Pleasure, thank you for having me. So our normal format is for you to introduce yourself to our audience um, and just a little bit about you before we start going into the interview itself. Okay, great. Well, as you said, current position is General Manager at D3O. Uh, I'm a a 20-year experienced uh, marketeer, a marketing graduate. Um, Started my career uh, working agency side, working in sports marketing, Originally started in PR specifically, learned the ropes of, uh, of media relations for a number of years. And after about three or four years of working agency side, came in-house and worked client side for one of my then clients when I was working agency side. Uh, and that was a sporting goods brand called Canterbury in New Zealand. And that was the start of a, a 10-year career in the sporting goods industry. Running from marketing manager in Europe through to global head of marketing for Canterbury before then moving on and spending a couple of years as marketing director at Musto, the sailing clothing brand. Uh, And from there, I joined D3O initially as marketing director, then moved into a CMO position, and more recently um, I've been uh, taking the role of general manager. Lovely. Perfect summary. Thank you very much. So, sports mad by any chance? Absolutely. (laughs) Sports always been a passion, Um, rugby in particular. Um, (laughs) Born and brought up in in South Wales, so uh, rugby runs in my, my blood. Um, uh, uh, so I was very privileged to spend a number of years working in the in the rugby industry in particular, but have a huge passion for all sports, and that's always a uh, a reoccurring theme, I think, in my career that, that I come back to. Even now here at D3O, you know, um, sports being one of our focus areas is a, a huge area of interest in mine. Very exciting. I'd love to... Uh, well, I bet you've met some rather interesting sports uh, personalities, haven't you, in your career then? Uh, all sorts, from everything from the, the cricket world to horse riding to obviously a lot in rugby, but um, but, but, but across the board, um, some, some wonderful personalities and great characters that, that shaped some, some great experiences for me. And are you sporty yourself? Do you have a preference or a skill particularly? Uh, I try and keep in shape. I run a bit. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, and, and then run around after my children, which, uh, which is... <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely, that's the cheapest, uh, no it's not, it's more expensive than a gym subscription isn't it, (laughs) It by several several, uh, hundreds of pounds. Um, Well, the first part of the interview I suppose is to try and get some uh, marketing advice around interviews, so we're going to focus in on that to start with. Um, So having interviewed a host of B2B marketeers recently in your career, what advice would you give them to perform better when they're actually in interview? 
I think the first thing I say is be yourself. Um, I'm ultimately looking in an interview to discover who you really are. Um, and whether I get that through um, understanding your skill sets, uh, understanding your experience, understanding your approach to learning, how you adopt and fit in a different culture, a different environment, I'm really trying to get under the skin of who the person really is. So the more open and transparent someone can be, the easier the interview will become as well, I think, for both parties. Um, once I've broken that through, all the, the conversation always tends to flow much better. And that's ultimately what I'm trying to get to is, who are you really? Um, I wouldn't be interviewing you unless I had a sense that you could do the job or had the right skills, but are you going to fit into my team or my organisation? Um, that's a, the number one thing. Be yourself, because we'll get there in the end and we can make it a far less painful <laughs> process and we get there quicker. Um, it's very easy and quick to see through um, uh, seasoned interviewers, those who are, are very adept at interviewing, but ultimately never show who they are. And that's what I, I like to get to. So be be proper human, almost. Absolutely, yeah. 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 You, you, you know, you're going to contribute a lot to the to the team and the company, and you know, um, important. You're going to fit in the right dynamic. If, if if you don't see that, and you find yourself in the team, and you and you don't fit, you're quickly going to get found out. Um, and, and different different personalities suit different organisations and, and type of businesses. And it's important you find the right fit, not just for me as an employer, but you as an employee that you're finding the right company as well. So it's mutually beneficial to be yourself and try and enjoy the interview from a personal perspective as much as possible. Absolutely, because any interview is a two-way process. I'm, I want to know whether I want you to work here and you want to know whether you want to come and work for me. So um, important that we have that connection straight away. Um, so the next question is more around when you're interviewing candidates. Uh, what sort of key things do you look for, aside from obviously the personality and being able to gauge them as a person? What what else do you sort of value? I um, I, I tend to have a few different themes with with, with my interviews and questioning. Um, firstly, is um, establishing their experience, um, and it doesn't have to be literal in that respect. It can be um, how people have um, taken experience and, and how they can demonstrate certain learning and skill sets from that. Um, so uh, so I'm, I'm looking for interpretation of experience in, in an interview, I mean, understanding um, uh, experience. Um, I'm looking for some self-appreciation. Um, uh, I'm always fascinated by how self-aware people are, aware of their, their strengths, but also aware of their weaknesses. Um, uh, I always like to understand what someone's biggest failure is and what they've learned from, which tends to be a difficult one for people to take and, and, and answer. But I think it does show great self-appreciation, and I want people who are who are self-aware. Um, I want to understand how people um, view my company and my brand, um, uh, what it means to them. Um, there's no substitute for passion, um, and passion for the, the company that you're going to work for. That's absolutely the key. Um, and overriding all that is is someone with, with the right attitude. The right attitude can take you a long way. You know, whatever your gaps in experience or skills may be, the right attitude and the right approach to and desire and passion to want to work somewhere can carry you a long way. Lovely. So a bit of passion and enthusiasm for what you're involved with, as well as having thought about how you might be able to add value. I think so. And that, that comes into you know doing your due diligence properly, really understanding the company. That doesn't mean just 
you know, Googling the, the company and looking at the website and reciting what the company's mission statement is off by heart. I want some greater depth than that. You know, have you asked around? Have you understood more about it? Have you envisaged what it might be like to work here? You know, how, how creative have you got? You know, I think the, um, you know, if you're coming for a role within the marketing team, the first thing you've got to be able to demonstrate is you can market yourself. Because if you can't market yourself in an interview environment, you're sure as hell not going to you know, help market the, the brand and the products that we look to sell. Lovely, really good advice. Um, so this is around uh, your experience a little bit. Mm. Uh, what's the toughest interview question that you've been asked? Uh, it's probably the one that I ask in every, <laughs> every interview myself, which is what your biggest failure has been. Yeah. Um, because you, you only learn through failure. Um, anyone who says they've, they've never failed at anything has probably never learned anything. Um, it's where all your best learning comes from. Um, and, and so, so showing that, that self-appreciation and, um, and, and, and demonstrating you've done something about it and how, how that has helped shape you, strengthen you as a, as a person, as an individual, but how you've learned then from a skill set and an experience point of view is all, all invaluable. Um, so yeah, it's, it's always the most difficult one to answer. And I remember being put on the spot for the first time on that and it completely flummoxed me. Um, but but took it away and learned from it. Well, I think as a candidate, you're nervous, aren't you, that you're going to put people off if you're sort of volunteering, or, you know, I made this terrible mistake, or I sent this copy out yeah. and it had a blazing error in it, yeah. and, you know... Uh, and it's OK to make mistakes. Yeah. It's something we, we try and impress upon people, you know, with D3O, and, that, and culturally, you know, it is OK to make mistakes as long as we learn from them, you know, and, it, you know, we've got mantras on the wall, you know, um, you know, experiment, you know, fail, learn, repeat, you know, and time and time again, no matter what you're doing, what department you're in, you know, whether you're developing a new product or a new material, um, whether it be, as you say, a piece of coffee hasn't been quite right, but, but rather just to get on and, 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 and get things done and it's okay to learn, you know. It's often said, you know, that the companies that, um, that are most successful are those that, that never wait for the, the perfect answer, the perfect solution, Quite often, eighty percent is good enough mm. um, and successful enough. And if we wait for the, the the perfect, the perfect piece of copy, the perfect advert, the perfect um, you know social post or campaign, the, the competition's passed us by. Just crack on and do it. And it's okay to make mistakes, but but, but we learn from them. Yeah, lovely. Um, so, if you were interviewing for a B two B marketing role yourself, Mostyn, uh, what would you need answering in order to feel confident that it's the right company or the right job for you? I think there are two things I'd look for. Firstly, would be um, uh, how does the company value marketing? Um, is marketing just another function um, and uh, a necessary part of the business because everyone says we've got to have a marketing function? Always marketing at the centre of the company. At the centre of the company, that means at the centre of the company, you know, involved in strategic decision making. Is it is it driving and dictating the um, the the way the business is? You know, the um, it, is the brand of the company really setting the, the tone for for who the company is and what they're all about? Um, brand is not just a logo externally. It's how the company values. And goes about its day-to-day operations. It's 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 how people behave. So if if marketing isn't central central part of that, I'd really be questioning um, the value that they're going to place on me as a as a candidate, um, um, seeing the, the the business as a prospective employer. So that, that that's the first thing. And the second thing, which kind of goes hand in hand with that, is is the, is the cultural fit. Um, I think that's absolutely. Um, and that can be about size of organisation, but also what their approach to, 
to learning is what the approach to um, you know employee engagement is and employee, employer welfare so that it's all an important part of the mix what is the mindset what's the approach where does marketing sit within the mix and you know and, and what what is the business like culture Perfect. Um, one of the questions that we've had from the candidate side, so as you know, we've been uh, pooling questions from people who are on the career ladder right now who um, are, are kind of looking at you for advice, uh, whether it's personal or career orientated. But some of these questions stem from, from these guys looking for these answers that they can't get anywhere else. Um, so it's often said that you can be paid in money or experience. Looking back on your career, how often did you value experience over a higher salary and did you strike a good balance? That's a brilliant question. Um, one of my biggest learning curves in my career was my first year of working, actually, and I was fortunate enough to do an industrial placement year. Um, when I was at university and I spent 12 months in London working for a, a, a small um, PR agency and was thrown in at the deep end and learned more in that 12 months about um, uh, the marketing world, about what it was like to, to work. I learned more about myself um, uh, than I think I've probably have done at any other point in my life. And the decision I made at the time, and I had no idea that I was making the correct decision at the time, was that uh, I remember having... Um, two very lucky to have two different job offers on the table, and one was to to, to move from Wales to London and take on this this job that barely paid anything, barely covered my rent, um, and the other one was for a, a better paid role that would have afforded me to go and run a car for the year and do have all those lovely things, but ultimately would have been, a, well, in hindsight, a completely dull job. And so thankful for the decision I made because that was a springboard into pursuing my career in sports marketing. So. I probably didn't appreciate it at the time, but certainly with hindsight, the decision to go for um, uh, experience over over financial was absolutely invaluable, and I'd be 100% recommended to anyone starting. And you can you can make that back so quickly, but the experience you get um, by making that choice is is invaluable. So at, at the start, an early part of career, be brave, be bold and try stuff, especially to learn. You won't know until you're in that environment yeah. what suits you. Um, there are so many different paths you can pursue, whether it be um, marketing discipline or skill set, whether it's working you know, for a brand, whether it's working agency side. There's a whole host of different marketing environments you can work in. Uh, and until you actually start experiencing and find what works for you, you'll, you'll never know. So, so take the chances. The chances are few and far between. It's an incredibly difficult market to break into. You know, don't underestimate for a minute how difficult it is for, you know, for, for marketing graduates trying to get that break. But the moment you get a sniff of it, take it, try it. If it doesn't work, you put it down to experience. It can be one of your answers to the, to the yeah, question, yeah. what's been your biggest failure? I, I, I took a job with a, yeah, with a big corporate organisation and discovered that wasn't for me. And actually, I'm better suited to work for a startup or an SME because that's, that suits me better culturally as a personality and better suits my skill set. Mm. And that's OK. There's no one right or wrong way. It's finding what's right for you. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, so uh, talking of uh, past and experience, so what past failure or uncomfortable experience set you up for success at a later date? Ooh, um, I remember um, one really, really shocking interview I had with someone um, <laughs> with a big brand, and it was one of my learnings that I don't want to work for a big, big <laughs> brand. Um, and I was 
pulled from pillar to post in the interview by the by the CEO of this company at the time. Um, and I learned that I just hadn't prepared for the interview properly. I hadn't done my research. I'd breezed in there thinking I could wing it, and I, can't, I couldn't wing it. I didn't know enough. And I, and I actually learned more about what marketing is probably in that interview than I did in a whole host of other learning environments. So, so that was in, invaluable. Um, I think career-wise also, you, know, you, you learn from failure the whole time. And one of the, my, my, my best reads has been um, Black Box Thinking by Matthew Siad, and it's about learning from failure and, and how businesses and organisations get better. Um, and if I, I look back even more recently, at the time, there were only a few years ago, um, you know, we, we had what, what was for a fast growth company a pretty flat year. It was considered a, a bad year but, you know, by our investors. Um, uh, and the perspective at the end of the year on what I learned that year was, was, was incredible. You know, being, being told by a board member, you've learned more in the last 12 months than you would have done in two years doing an MBA on, 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 on what it is to, to run a business and drive a marketing department. And, and there was a, a lot I'd look back on and, and wouldn't do again. Um, it's a whole host of different factors. Really good. So again, that that life experience has counted for more again, hasn't it? Sort of... it's, it's what puts you on to the next level the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, what's the best career advice you've ever been given or found for yourself? Um, keep it simple as a mantra. Um, that's been a reoccurring theme, actually. And the the the. the, the the first CEO that made a real impression upon me was someone who used someone who had worked in many, many big, big global brands, um, and it was the first CEO I came across that used no business jargon whatsoever. Just kept everything simple. Everything was about common sense and using very simple, basic language. And it was, uh, we're here to sell more stuff, and to sell more stuff as profitably as we possibly can. It, it just, and, and, and every time someone used a word from a um, uh, you know, from a from a from a textbook, or because they thought it was clever to use, because it was a big word, just, just put it to one side. Just say it exactly as it is and keep it simple. Because business is simple at the end of the day, and then there's a there's a danger, and I think it's perhaps a fear in people that if you use big words and you um, and you try and make something overly complex, then it must be good, and invariably it's not. It's the other way around. Keep things as simple as possible. And the reoccurring thing throughout my career has been having mentors around me or working for people who just keep business simple. And the ones that keep things simple are the ones that are most successful. So layman terms then are the way forward for most. Absolutely. <laughs> just say it as it is. It's yeah. That people understand it's simple, basic premise of communication. There's no point in using big words in communication if no one understands it because no one's good. That's the whole point of communication. Um, you know, golden rules of leadership, you know, yes, it's set in vision, but it's, it's being clear on what you expect of people. And you can only do that if you if you break things down into into very simple terms. And that's not to patronise. It's just it's the way it is. It's what we all understand. It's a common language. So it's clear to clear to all, no matter what level and what area or what department, because you know accounts need to know as much as marketing, as much as sales, as much as admin or reception. Because if everyone's on board with the same concept and the same reason for being, it just becomes a whole more effective. Absolutely, common goal united front everyone together um yeah working together as a team and you can only communicate to you know like you say so many different and diverse different um business functions who might all have different interpretations of the same thing so if you just use layman terms everyone understands it makes sense 
Market Mentors is produced by Pod Audio, a subscription production service that takes the pain out of podcasting. From advice and support to editing and production to music and artwork, Pod Audio has you covered. Supercharge your podcasting. Just hit record and let Pod Audio do the rest. Pod Audio, save time, sound like a pro. Um, what advice would you give to ambitious marketeers looking to get to the next level when they haven't operated at that level before? That's a good question. I think you've got to um, you've got to look to to take every opportunity you get. I think um, don't be afraid to ask your your line manager or the person that you've got to convince that you're ready for the table. What do I need to do? Sit down. You know, everyone has you know, annual appraisals and, and, and feedback and, and, and sit down and spell it out. You're, amb- you're ambitious. You know, I, I'd love nothing more than someone coming and saying, I want your job in 24 months' time, 12 months' time, whatever period of time it might be. What have I got to do to get there? The, the, the ambition that shows is, is attractive to me. Um, the sooner I can fill my chair, the sooner I can move up to a, to a different role in a different position um, and ask for that feedback and uh, you know any good line manager should give you that feedback and spell out you know what you're good at what you're where the areas you can improve and what you need to do to be able to make that next step and and ask for a series of measurable quantifiable goals to do that um, uh, and, and have that have it documented I think it'd be overly formalized but um, but have that in place and and, and and then ask for support and advice to get there and that, that support and advice might not come from from that person it could come elsewhere could come from a business mentor, someone else within the company. It could be someone externally. But, um, but don't be afraid to ask for exactly what, what it is to get there because it will differ from business to business and company to company. I don't think there's one, one set formula. But only by asking will you find out what you've got to do. Don't be afraid to do it. It shows good ambition. Mm. And from person to person as well, isn't it? Because sometimes I think there can be a glaring hole either in your viewpoint or your approach or you know maybe you're you you're kind of opening yourself up to receiving feedback which might not sit that well or comfortably with you but if you have the ambition to move forward then you have to be brave enough to ask for the feedback in the first place so that you can then start working towards that other goal or, or the future goal. Indeed, yeah. Invariably, there'll be there'll be one or two things holding you back from moving to that, that next goal. One will either be the amount of experience you've got, or it'll be your skill set and capability. Um, the experience comes with time. Unfortunately, there's there's often no fast track for that. But the skill set absolutely can, you know, be be, be quickly learned. Um, uh, and so only by asking for that feedback and recognising where you've got shortcomings in that skill set will you be able to build them better and, and, and quickly move up the career ladder. And work on it, absolutely. Um, do you think, so I, I thought, I, I kind of led you to this one a little bit because I thought you might be particularly well-placed to answer this one. Um, very interesting question, I thought. Do you think it's possible for a great entrepreneur to become a great CMA? Absolutely. There's no reason why not. Um, it depends on the, the skill set of the entrepreneur. Um, uh, I've met some amazing um, entrepreneurs who are incredibly clever marketeers. Um, uh, the, the founder of D3O, Michael Richard Palmer, recognised as an entrepreneur, um, but a very clever, savvy marketeer. You know, um, did an incredibly good job at courting huge amounts of publicity for his technology once he, once he launched. So, 
Um, whilst he might not have carried the CMO title, he, he absolutely was that in, 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 in making and in acting anyway. In the vision, yeah, the, the vision. Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I think people can often get hung up on, on title. It's a, I think it's an in, indispersable skill set. Um, mm. uh, and there's no reason why you can't, can't have that. A lot can depend on the environment um, and the, the type of business and size of company. Um, naturally, entrepreneurial skills um, will be better suited to, to startups, to SMEs, than they might be to a, you know, a multi-billion dollar corporate. Um, uh, albeit, you know, there will be environments where, where that can thrive, where the entrepreneurial spirit can thrive, but you're more likely to find that thriving in a, in a smaller business. Um, um, so it's back to getting that right cultural fit. And, and, and size and scope. And size and scope, yeah. Lovely. Um, again, this is an interesting one. When is it safe to move more towards strategy and leave tactical stroke hands-on tools behind without jeopardising your value as a marketeer to the organisation? It's never the right time <laughs> if you want your skills value to the organisation uh, being tactical, remaining tactical and, and hands-on and understanding what's going on um, and being able to apply those skills is relevant regardless of your position in the company. Um, no question about that. I think the moment you lose sight of, um, of the tactical side of things, I think you've lost sight of who you are and what you're all about and the, 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 the value you have to the organisation. Learning to be strategic is um, is an important skill set to learn as you move to a, you know, a head of or a director or CMO position. But it's never that in isolation. You still got to demonstrate the tactical. Um, I still do on a day-to-day basis. It's we, we all here adopt the you know, sleeves rolled up and get your hands dirty. You know whether it's a piece of copywriting for a swing tag or, uh, or whatever it might be. The, the, the moment you lose sight of that, I think you've lost sight of, um, of, of your position and what you're all about. So stay tactical. You can learn the strategic part, but keep hands on with the tactical the whole time. And I suppose that way you're always at the front line as well so you're never necessarily going to get sidelined or, or sort of caught out I suppose yeah. with a, a change in market or you've got to know your market you've got to know your customer um, if you lose sight of who your customer is and who your end user is you've, you've lost sight of what you're, you're trying to achieve I think that way of a, a, market, a market as a marketeer um, so and, and you will lose sight if you decide it's okay just to sit back and just be strategic because you just lose all context of what you're writing about in your, in your strategy. So so remain tactical, remain hands-on, don't ever lose that. So don't don't go up those stairs to the ivory tower, basically. No. Stay as far away from there Absolutely. as possible, please. Yep. Um, so the next question um, is literally hot off the press, so we got it in the last uh, couple of days, and uh, Mostyn's very, very glad to answer this one. I think he quite liked this one. So um, I'm going to read it. It's quite a big one. Um, Even with heaps of preparation, coaching and development, a move to a more senior marketing role, um, they're about to move into a senior marketing role or ahead of it can still feel daunting and peers in a similar position have likened the first few weeks as winging it in uh, inverted <laughs> commas um, what advice could you offer someone moving into a senior role where there isn't a huge peer population to support and the pressure is obviously on to make a good impression wow um the first thing to say is don't be daunted you wouldn't be making that transition and you wouldn't have been entrusted into your new position unless the organisation thought you were capable of 
doing it. So don't be daunted. I have the confidence to do it and self-belief to do it. Um, the second thing I'd say is, is don't change either. Be yourself because you've got to where you are through the way you've behaved and the way you've acted within the organisation and, the, and the, the, the results you've demonstrated. Continue to do the same. If you try and change because you feel you should because you've changed your title, you're going to lose sight of why you were hired for that role uh, and what you will actually bring to the role. I think you should also consider that um, your peers sat around the table as other departmental leaders. Um, don't lose sight of the fact that you're in that position because you're the best for that position and because you um, have a greater skill set and better knowledge within your particular area than anyone else around the table. So so have some self-belief in that. Um, that's really important. You, you, it sounds like you're probably better than you think you are. Do you think they might have a bit of imposter syndrome? I think that's the kind of phrase out there at the moment for the whole... And, 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 I, and I, I can take personal experience from that. I remember moving into to one position and being sat around the table in the senior management group and I was the only person in their sort of early to mid-30s in the senior <laughs> management team and everyone else was over 50 with grey hair or no hair uh, and really <laughs> frowned upon and was, was viewed for a bit as an imposter. But, yeah, um, yeah. I, and, it, and it took some getting used to hmm. uh, and I felt like I had to prove something. You know, with hindsight, I realised I, I, I perhaps didn't, but, um, but some early wins and was, was quickly part of the team, but, but absolutely frowned upon as who's this kid you know yeah yeah um but but, but, but it's difficult not to feel that isn't it when when you are stepping up you do sort of feel like oh you know I need to change or yeah. I need to you know be more aware of this that and the other whereas you know your your perspective is very much actually you probably don't what they need is for you to keep doing keep or doing being you doing. yeah because, because that's like that and they see that as a valuable contribution towards a business and, and that you're going to continue to bring that so carry on doing that you know um, and maybe that opinion and that voice is kind of what they've been lacking and want to hear and therefore you yeah. know uh, speak up yeah don't be, be nervous be, be confident absolutely yeah, yeah. You know, you, yeah have confidence in your own ability and and um and, and belief in your right to be sat in that position and around that table with those other people you know, yeah that's perfectly okay. and it will quickly come in time yeah and well done, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, so the next question, um, a bit of advice here. So with pressures of general life, how do you manage the work-life balance and how important is that in today's society? Uh, well, my, my, my wife would tell me that I don't manage it very well at the <laughs> moment. Um, and it is difficult because we, you know, we live in a... Uh, an age of technology with uh, with, with an expectation um, that you're on call 24-7. Everyone's got emails on their smartphone and there's a, almost an expectation that people are looking at emails over weekends and evenings and you know, work in a, in a very small world um, with people on all sorts of time zones. If you work in a, with a global business, then, then again, you need to demonstrate that flexibility quite often in, in many roles that you're available at, at funny times of the day. I think a, a work-life balance is very important. Uh, a healthy home life and a healthy personal life brings a healthy work life and, and, and far more productivity in the workplace. Um, it's important that you find some form of, of outlet and passion and hobby or whatever it might be and, and pursue that and, and, and find a way and a place and a time to switch off and do that, whether that's you know, on the golf course, whether that's you know, uh, you know, as, a, as a budding musician, whether that's time into your family, whatever it might be, important that you get that. 
for me, I, I use I get on the treadmill, go for a run as a stress reliever, and then have my family as a distraction, you know, in the evenings and, and on weekends, which is a which is a nice balance and gives you gives you perspective. But um, but important that you do find that that balance because it will bring greater productivity to your workplace. Because mm. I think if if you get overworked, it, you lose perspective on so many different things. Um, and a bad day can turn into a bad week or a bad month or even a bad year an awful lot easier than, you know, if work is kept And it can to snowball work. and you need to stop that snowball. It's so easy to happen, though, as you say, because of the phone. And, and you know, I'll find myself checking LinkedIn or messages or, or responding to emails without even thinking about it sometimes at 10, 12, you know, whenever it is in the middle of the night sometimes because I'm so excited about what's happening but you do sort of think gosh you know they must think I've got no life outside of work at all because why on earth am I responding to this person at 10 o'clock at night but it, it is so easy to do that that's the thing but you have to be hard with yourself you do and there are times when that, that just isn't possible for whatever reason but as long as you can keep coming back and giving yourself some um, some, some discipline and parameters of like this is work I'm giving it everything but I actually need these couple of hours now where I've got to switch off you've got to do something for, for me or my family uh, and to, to help you recharge mentally mm. and I think it, it was funny actually but I read an article just the other day and it really struck home with me um, because I've got two small young kids myself I've got a two-year-old and a five-year-old Charlie and Belly and it said you only get 18 summers with them yeah. And I literally, since since I read that, it really struck home to me. I don't know why it had to be that in particular, but, you know, I'm very present when I'm at home with them. And, you know, I really, on the weekends, I don't do anything. I literally forget I have a phone. If I can, I leave it in the bottom of the bag and all sorts of stuff. But, um, but yeah, so with, with young kids particularly, I think... It gives good perspective, doesn't it? And, uh, yeah, and I, I think you also... Um, you, you learn as well over time um, the importance of prioritisation, and that's an important skill throughout the day. You mm. know? But, um, but I think if you've got that perspective of prioritisation, if you understand what is really critical to your role and, your, and, and, and the, the company, um, that will help you then perhaps understand what's important to still be sending messages about it, nine yeah. or ten o'clock at night or on a, or on a when you need to respond. Need to. So it's knowing what's what's critical, what isn't critical, and then get some perspective on it. Perfect. Um, so, what skills do you think marketers should be investing in for the future? I think it's I think it's wrong to to actually stipulate certain skills mm. because we don't know. Um, if you look at how much the, the the world has changed, I think I think that the, the core skills to invest in for the future for me are are, are the core basic skills of, for any marketer, which um, which, which is, a lot of which is common sense. Um, what what changes and what has changed um, at, at a pace and what we don't know how it's going to change in the future are the platforms in which we communicate. But the basic premise and basic skills of marketing haven't. Um, and I can go back to a time um, 10, 15 years ago where we, uh, as, a, as a company when I was working at Canterbury, we lived and breathed um, product seeding as a, a core part of our marketing communication mix. And we, we built a fantastic business and some really strong sports categories for the company off the back of some really, really clever product seeding, um, all based around Tipping Point by, by Malcolm Gladwell mm. being, being given that book. No, I've had it. And, 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 those, and, and the principles of Tipping Point, of, of seeding on influential people, 
and haven't changed. They mm. haven't changed for the last 50 years, and, and, and they haven't changed in the last five years with the advent of social media. The principles remain the same, but it's the platforms in which we, we use to communicate that have changed. Um, so keep in pace, adaptability and flexibility, um, uh, to keep pace with technological changes and, and, and a more sophistication around the way that we can market to consumers um, is important. So I think the bigger skills is, it, is the adaptability and flexibility uh, and, and have that in mind the whole time rather than actually define I've got to be an expert on this particular social media platform because we don't know what, you know, in 24 months' time what, what that's going to be. So um, difficult to find that far ahead, but to have the basic core skills is, is, is important and have the ability to adapt them to particular platforms. You touched on this a bit, but uh, I suppose uh, over your career now, how has marketing changed since you started? So, so I think to that point, it's it's the platforms mm-hmm. um, have you know are, are the same. Uh, uh, sorry, have have changed. Um, um, first job when it was um, it was writing press releases and stuffing them in a fax machine and feeding <laughs> them through to you know features editors across all the you know the different newspapers. Yeah, um, but the principle is the same in terms of. Um, um, writing, building, generating content, and trying to get it seeded um, through the different media channels that, mm. that, that that people are using and receptive to in today's day and age, and that's no longer necessarily you know, high circulation print magazines, and now it's more you know uh, social media based. So, um, so that that's the, the the biggest fundamental change I think I've seen a shift in over the last you know twenty years, you know, significantly. Mm. And then over the last few years, I think it's particularly changed quite a lot, hasn't it? Even I think Instagram this morning, there was a release around the fact that they're starting to release hour-long videos now in that format yeah. rather than just the pictures or even just the storytelling. So I think that, and I think the challenge for, um, for any marketing team or function and marketeers is being able to adapt and move with uh, with those changes and the changes and the, that are allowed by those platforms and new platforms that, that come into our world but that balance with how they can demonstrate the value of them to a company and the ability to grow a brand or sell more products um, uh, and that return on investment which I think unless you're selling directly to the end user um, is a very difficult thing to quantify for a B2B company. Hmm. I I think sort of throughout what you've said, you've kind of, well, you keep harking back to the fact that you need to be aware of who your customers are and what they care about and what they're looking at. And I suppose that that would kind of belly that really. So don't get caught up in the latest new tech. Make sure that you're still... Keep your values on on what you're about. Understand, you know, the, the... product principles mm. of, of, of what they want, yeah, and where, where there's demand for that product, and then yeah, the, the channels through which um, uh, they will view your product and find your, your proposition attractive. But that's a bit that's evolving change that people need to keep pace of. But, mm. so, but the premise is the same. Perfect. Um, so, a bit of fun stuff now. Uh, what do you listen to when you need to focus? Ooh, uh, uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Um, uh, I find that a really good way to switch off and a, a complete mix from comedy to sport, uh, opinions on the rugby match over the weekend or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Um, if I really need to concentrate early morning, I listen to classical music, uh, Bach cello concertos, help me get in the zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I really need to relax, driving home, um, I'll tend to gravitate more towards jazz. 
Nice. Um, Love a bit of jazz. Jungle train or Miles Davis will help me relax. Nice. Good good mix there, good I mix. think. Yeah, good mix. Um, and then what is the book you recommend the most for B2B marketeers? Well, I mentioned Tipping Point, mm-hmm. for example. I, yeah. I still think that stands. I think that's, uh, that's, a, that's a great book. Uh, it's less about B2B marketing per se, but the values and principles of it still apply. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned Black Box Thinking. I think that's really yeah. important. You know, self-appreciation, learning from failure. I think that's really key. I think also learn um, from a cultural point of view the value and power of a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and working in any marketing function is not about being an individual as part of a team. Uh, and one of the best books I've read on the team is called Legacy by Jim Kerr. And it's mm-hmm. the story of the culture of the New Zealand World Blacks rugby team ah. uh, and the value of team ethic and working as one uh, and, and, and lack of hierarchy and, um, and all the basic principles of, of working together gather to be successful as an organisation, as a sporting team, whatever it might be. And that, that's just a fascinating, fascinating read. Lovely. Um, so what parting words of wisdom or advice would you share with our audience? Um, keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Apply common sense if in doubt. Uh, be ambitious. You know, um, have confidence in your own ability. Recognise that... As I said before, you know, if you can't market yourself, you're not going to market the brand or the product that you're going to work for, um, and, and enjoy it. You know, um, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, get out and go and do something different. You know, um, perhaps you're in the wrong environment, perhaps you're in the wrong job, perhaps you're in, you know, the wrong wrong industry, um, but enjoy it because if you're not enjoying it, you're not going to be doing a, doing a great job. Perfect. Well, that's been really insightful and helpful. Thank you ever so much for your time. I'm sure there'll be lots of listeners who've managed to get some good, juicy bits of advice out of that. (laughs) Good. Thank you. Thanks, Martin. So there you have it. Career advice from a real marketing expert and leader in the field. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Market Mentors. If you have a marketing career-related question, you know who to ask. 